It's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. Good morning and welcome good morning. to Good Morning. Welcome to episode 341 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Uh, so I'm not generally a quick-tempered man, but <laughs> but on a on a day like today, I I get angry at baseball teams irrationally, just for insisting on on doing everything at once. This was uh, this was probably the biggest baseball news day of the year, right? Has there been a bigger baseball news day? Uh, I don't know how you would measure baseball news yeah. as like a as a measurable thing, but yeah, I mean, it seems like it. It's. I guess you could say that uh, that the day that we find out who wins the World Series is the biggest baseball news day, or or a, a day with fifteen games going on is the biggest baseball news day compared to this, which is no games day- going on, but. I think a day when when twelve players' names leak out of a PED investigation is pretty big. Pretty big. Ho- more hot takes. Different kind of news. Uh huh. Anyway, not really worth debating. It's a <laughs> no. big day. Yeah. Uh, a few hours ago, Kevin Goldstein posted on Facebook. Uh, Everyone in baseball trying to figure out why everything happened today. Is there a reason? There's no reason, right? It's just a. It's just a confluence of events. I don't know. I mean, it, it is. I think one thing that's interesting about this uh, collection of moves is that uh, this is not the Blue Jays last year, or the Marlins the year before, or the Angels the year before. This is not one team that like had a lot of money and went into this determined to throw their money around um, and you know made a big made a big splash. This has been strangely spread around. It seems as though every team has done something already. I yes. guess Daniel Rathman uh, was was counting earlier. Uh, I think he counted fourteen teams made a transaction today. Today and many more uh, mm-hmm. over the last week. I I can't think of anything the Mariners have done, and I can't think of anything the Indians have done. But maybe I'm just forgetting. But Indians, um, Indians got David Murphy. Oh yeah, that's right. They did. Uh, uh, I yeah, mean, the Mariners have been quiet. Nobody, nobody has emerged as the the big uh, mover slash shaker of this offseason. I, I mean, I guess you would say if Hunter Pence and, and Lincecum had made it to free agency and the Giants had re-signed them both, and also Hudson and also Lopez, you might say that. But I mean, it wouldn't have felt that big because it was just everybody basically staying staying home except Hudson. Um, there isn't really a team that, and so anyway the the point is the way that I'm answering this question is just to say that um, I mean there's no reason that it happened today but we've been to some degree talking for the last you know year and a half since we've been doing this podcast about how uh, the the way the game is set up as well as the way the game's finances are are developing uh, there are more buyers at you know at any given moment and uh, so it could just be the fact that, um, you know, there, there's like kind of there's there's a, a mix between teams wanting to get ahead of a of a of a of a bear market or a bull market. Depends mm-hmm. which side you're on. Uh, and uh, as well as, um, you know, having 30 teams that are all actually trying to improve right now or mm-hmm. close to it. Mm-hmm. Who, who is that? Who would be 
That count of 14, I think, was was prior to the Rockies officially signing Morneau, so it must have been 15, at least. So at least half the teams... It would have included the Fowler deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Uh, What were you going to ask? I'm not going to use the term winner or, or loser, but but is there a team that you think has and and not not one? I don't want to know who's made the best moves, but is there a team that you think stands out as the most active? Like you think of one team that has been uh, the most active? Well, probably the Yankees, right? For signing, yeah. I guess two of the the top five guys available, spending the uh-huh. most money. Uh, yeah, in a uh, yeah, I guess kind a, of yeah, a boring, predictable way, just the Yankees spending lots of money, uh, although that's that's not something we saw last year, and so it, it feels almost fresh and new for them to be doing that again. But but that's that's pretty pretty old hat for them to just be signing the best players available, which apparently they're they're going to continue doing for a while. Um, but yeah, in in terms of wins added and dollars spent, I guess they would be the one. Um, are you surprised at all that? Uh, that they've done this coming. I mean, you know, after two years of, of hearing uh, austerity talk and, you know, really even maybe even more than that, after watching the Red Sox sort of to some degree uh, shift the, 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 the narrative of what big market teams should be doing or can do um, to win, are you surprised that, that they've kind of acted like this is uh, 2008 again? Uh, not really. I, I don't know. Did the Red Sox really change that narrative i mean they they spent quite a bit of money last winter they did but all all short-term deals nothing longer than three years mostly even shorter than that the entire package it was nine guys for 39 million dollars or something like that Mm -hmm. um and uh you know it was only after they shed all the long-term deals that were that were sort of crippling them that they were able to improve at nine positions instead of just having you know three guys Mm -hmm. so yeah i think they did I don't know. I don't. I don't see a reason why the Yankees shouldn't do this. Really, I mean, what they're what they're doing probably doesn't make sense for any other team, but it worked for them for the last decade or so or more. So uh, I don't know. They're still they're still probably making plenty of money, spending tons of it, and having guys right. on the the back end of deals that that aren't efficient anymore. But three three questions for you. Okay. About the Yankees. One, what will their payroll be on opening day? Two, what will their payroll be on opening day of 20, let's say, 18? And three, who will spend more money in the next, let's say, five years, the Dodgers or the Yankees? Hmm. Uh, well, they haven't They haven't blown the $189 million thing yet, have they? It's, it's hard to keep track of, of where exactly teams are. Uh, at this point in the off season, before we know arbitration totals and everything, but before we know suspension, <laughs> yeah, that rulings. too. Uh, that too. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess. I mean, they've said it so many times that that you feel like they almost have to stick to that. But then, uh, but then, just before we started recording, Jeff Passan tweeted that. That the Yankees not only believe they've got room for Ellsbury and Cano or Chu, they still plan on signing a starting pitcher. Um, so I, I I don't know. Uh, I I guess I I guess I'd I guess my guess would be that they would be under by like a penny. Okay. Um, 
that's and one, one their question payroll answer. payroll next year. Uh, no, no, no. Twenty twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. I don't know. Uh, Two hundred and thirty million. Okay, and more money in the next five years, Yankees or Dodgers? Um, Yankees. Really, Dodgers are going to have like a fifty million dollar head start if they come in, if the Yankees come in mm-hmm. under. Well, yeah, I I guess I was I was thinking about money spent from now and until then. Um, uh, no, I'm talking five years payroll. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anyway. Yeah, then I guess the Dodgers would make the most sense. All right. <clears throat> so uh, we're not going to get to everything. Uh, we're we're not going to get to the the Eric Kratz trade. I'm afraid. Um, yeah. We maybe we'll do kind of what we did. With, last week a little bit your your tactic of spreading moves from a busy day over a couple podcasts um unless there are just as many moves tomorrow which i hope won't be the case but uh was well i don't know let's talk about i guess uh the fowler trade since you wrote about it and since it was interesting that the astros were the team that was trading for the player instead of trading Trading the, the the best player in the deal for prospects, or or the the old player in the deal for the younger players. Uh, so you wrote about why you thought that was why you thought they might have made that shift now with this player. Uh, so why don't you talk about that? Um. Okay. Uh, well, you know how I hate to do this. You know how I hate to talk about something that I've already written <laughs> as though it's somehow new. Just do uh, it. I don't even know how. I don't even know how to say the words. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, well, okay. So for one thing, I think that the Astros, I mean, I'm totally speculating on all of this. Who knows? But um, I think that it's fair to assume that the Astros want to have a, a respectable team in 2015. And by respectable, I mean, you know, something like the Royals had. Uh, this year, a team that, you know, could have a few things break right and win the division, uh, should be, you know, past 500 and putting the sort of stench of this experiment uh, behind them and sort of showing the, the, the you know, the, the, the positive outcome. So I think that they want to be able to do that in 2015 and they're going to have all this money to spend. And I think that they would probably be wise uh, to consider that um, it might be hard to get players to sign with them after next offseason if they're coming off another 100 loss uh, season if they've basically lost you know 420 430 440 games over a four-year period and they have just this ridiculous um, uh, like losing nature about them like not only have they been losing madly but they've been losing you know borderline intentionally in a way that I think probably by the end of next year will be even more kind of somewhat controversial and people will talk about how it's bad for the game or whatever so um, so I kind of look at this year as being an actually an important year to reestablish um, sort of their goodwill with uh, free agents and with the rest of the league, and so that they can um, you know so that they can show that they've made progress, so that they can show that they're moving in a good direction, so they can show they're not a farce, and get free agents after 2014. I sort of look at this year as being like their credit rating where it's not actually, you know, like when your credit rating gets 
downgraded. It's not it's not directly money out of your pocket, but it um, you know it makes it harder to to borrow money, and it makes it um, you know more costly to borrow money. So in a way, having a good credit rating is an investment in your you know in your future finances. And so I feel like this season is an investment in next off season for them. Mm-hmm. So um, so Fowler is is in a lot of ways a guy who could be part of their next good team. Uh, he could also very easily be spun off for parts, probably if if a few things break right, um, and uh, you know bring back prospects who could be part of the next good team. He could be extended. He could be non-tendered. He can be almost anything, depending on where this season goes and where the Astros feel that they're going. But adding him now uh, seems like a good way of building a 73-win team this year, and a 73-win team would be. Um, you know, like I was saying, almost, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, the best thing for their future now is maybe not even to get more prospects, but to get to 73 wins this year. So mm-hmm. that is kind of what I was thinking. Do you think that the Marlins signing Saltalamakia falls into the same bucket of a of a terrible team trying to gradually build towards respectability? Or is it more of a we have to spend some money or the players union will will get really angry at us so that the thing that okay we can talk about that first though were you surprised that they were able to get saltalamakia to sign with them are are you surprised that sort of yeah i or i i i wonder what his next closest offer was or what he thought it would be um, because yeah, I mean, when you sign to play for the Marlins for the next three years, you're you're essentially saying that you're you know you're not going to win a World Series, you're not going to probably contend for one. You're okay with that. You're probably going to be just about the only veteran on the team, or maybe you'll be traded at some point during it. I don't know whether he got a no trade clause or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're 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 signing up for. Uh, a, a very unique set of circumstances there. Well, more than that, it's not just that they're a bad team. It's not like you're signing with you know the Twins or um, or even the Astros. It's is that you're signing with a team that has shown like kind of no goodwill toward its players. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really felt like something massive happened last off season when um, the Marlins pulled the plug again. And I mean, as we talked about at the time there were good baseball reasons for it if it were any team but the Marlins but with the Marlins you wondered whether it was just you know one one scorching too many uh, of that earth and um, I'm sort of I wondered whether you know basically players would just refuse I mean there's 29 other teams I mean yeah you know you maybe you're leaving a little money on the table by not going to the Marlins um, and you know, a million dollars is not just a little money. So I can understand wanting to get an extra million dollars, mm-hmm. but um, but there's 29 other teams. You'd think you'd be able to go to a team that uh, that uh, wasn't going to do uh, whatever it wanted to to humiliate right. you if it were you know in in their best interest. I mean, it's a broken organization that nobody likes. That the players that they traded were mad about it. Had, had been felt that they had been lied to. Um, the players they didn't trade were, were mad about it. Also, the players, yeah, exactly. The players. Yeah. I mean, all the players are are unhappy about it. You know, the hitting coaches were mad. The manager was mad. I mean, everybody was. That was just a, a brutal situation. But I mean, really, it, it feels like if you're a player, 
Um, when an owner looks, according to reports, at other play, you know players that have come before you and tells them things, and then instead, you know, basically humiliates them, uh, you'd think you'd just be like, okay, I'm not going there. Like it's not, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to avoid that city. So I'm sort of surprised that they got one. I didn't think they necessarily would get one. Um, I thought that it might be a story, them being unable to attract talent. I mean, the Mariners can't get anybody to take their money just because the you know the park doesn't play well, the Florida doesn't play well, and it's a horrible place to be. It's like hell on earth. So, uh, not the city itself, but you know the <laughs> franchise. So, um, yeah. Debatable. Anyway, uh, I, I I I'm unable to debate it. I've never been there. But if you want to <laughs> alienate people, by all means, <laughs> they, they know. <laughs> um, yeah, right. So, so I guess that helps them follow through on their vow not to lose a hundred games next year, um, which is probably a pretty, pretty safe bet. You can, I, I don't know. I was actually considering writing about that once to see how likely it, it actually was that they would be able to avoid that. I feel like probably pretty, pretty likely. They just barely lost that many games last year. Uh, it's hard to lose that many games. Um, all right. Uh, we should probably talk about the, the A's just because if we talk about the A's, we can knock out more of these trades than we can with any other team. Um, the, the gentry for choice and, and various other players going back and forth trade was, I think my favorite move of the day. Um, partially because I just really, really like Craig Gentry, but it was just, a a very aesthetically pleasing trade. It was uh, a trade between division rivals, which is always fun. It was a trade with a lot of variety in the players, just in terms of, uh, you know, you had a, an established major league veteran in the trade. You had a guy who just debuted last year in a trade. You had a guy in a ball in a trade. Um, and you had very different types of players, a, a speed and defense guy and a, strikeout home run slugger guy uh so and also the fact that i felt like you know both both teams could have a strong argument that they won that trade or would end up winning that trade or would be happy that they made that trade um so that was that was a, a very pleasing trade to to write about and think about um and then the other two moves were sort of atypical for the A's. I was, as as I was writing about the Luke Gregerson trade, I was looking back at your article from September when you wrote about how the A's built their bullpen uh, following a discussion that we had had on the podcast about why teams pay for relievers when it seems like it's so easy to just find someone on the scrap heap who can turn in a good season for nothing. And you wrote then, which was true at the time, that the A's don't pay for bullpen players. They, they at the time, their entire bullpen was making something like $8 million and was was one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, history. History. And so now we've seen them trade Jim Johnson, or trade for Jim Johnson, and also trade for Luke Gregerson, which is just kind of buying effective, reliable relievers off the rack for full price, not... not you know, unearthing them some somewhere as free talent. Uh, so what does that shift signify to you? I don't know, Ben. What does that shift signify to you? I don't know. Uh, it, it's 
it's uh, I mean, if you're going to pay for pay for relievers, these are two guys who are in their walk years, so you're really just paying for one year of of each of them. So it's not like they they suddenly signed the the Joe Smith deal that we were surprised that the Angels signed recently. Uh, so they are paying paying a lot of money for these two guys, but they have been among the most reliable relievers in baseball, and they're just signed for one year each. Um, and I guess also the fact that the A's aren't spending a ton of money on their team, and once they had Scott Casimir on the roster, there wasn't a whole lot left for them to do, really. They kind of had someone everywhere, uh, but they had lost Grant Balfour, and sort of had a vacancy at the back of the bullpen. And so they got these two guys for less than it would have cost to bring him back. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, this was, that was a particularly, um, fitting time for me to write that piece because, you know, their bullpen was, was so cheap and had been brought together so cheaply, um, and was doing so well. But, um, I noted in the Joe Nathan transaction analysis that it isn't as though, um, you know, Billy Bean, uh, only gets you know busted starters from single A and puts them in the bullpen and has them close games. I mean, throughout the last ten years, when he's been supposedly um, you know refusing to pay top dollar for a closer, and you know in a lot of ways, kind of more famously than any other GM in baseball, that's that was kind of one of the the orthodoxies of of his system. Um, but that entire time, he was actually getting. You know, pretty good closers. They were not. Um, they were not. He he would never get Jonathan Papelbon for four years and and, and fifty whatever million dollars. But he was getting good second tier candidates. Um, you know that with you know some exceptions. But you know Keith Folk was a was a was a had closer experience. Um, you know uh, Arthur Rhodes was coming off some success and you know was uh, you know a little bit of a trendy. You know, trendy reliever uh, uh, Octavio Dotel uh, was definitely considered a future closer, a closer who was knocking on the door and who required a you know decent trade uh, to to acquire. Brian Fuentes was signed for you know two years and I think ten million or something like that to close terribly. And um, uh, you know, uh, Houston Street was a first round draft pick. Um, so they did invest in, in the position. Um, they just, you know, like they just didn't go crazy for the position. And yeah, like you're saying, I mean, it, $10 million is a lot and it's probably a new, um, you know, a new high watermark for how much they've invested in, in that inning. Um, but at one year it's, you know, the, the true, the true risk, the true investment is, you know, a lot less. Than if this were like a three, you know, wow, that's funny. Uh, if this were a three, uh, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have gotten distracted by Twitter. If this were a three-year deal is what I was going to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. How awkward. <laughs> you should, you should just tell us what the tweet was. Nah, it's okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and the other teams that we saw pay for relievers, you wrote about Joe Nathan. I guess you also wrote about Brian Wilson, although we're still still waiting for confirmation of that. Um, but those, none of these relievers moves has, none of these like closer moves has been a Brandon League contract. We haven't really seen that kind of deal. Um, I mean, Joe Nathan for, for two years and what is it, 20 million seems 
like a lot. And as you pointed out in your piece, he is he is old. He doesn't throw as hard as he used to. He had a, a lot of luck indicators favoring him last year. But he's uh, he's Joe Nathan next to Mariano Rivera. He is he is the most consistent lighting reliever of this of this era. He is the the most impervious to or immune to those year to year fluctuations uh, that we are worried about with relievers. Um, and the the Tigers could use a guy like that. So it, yeah, that wasn't... nobody 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 in a million years would have mentioned anything critical of the Tigers getting Joe Nathan for two years and twenty million dollars before the Doug Fister trade. The only reason yeah. that anybody the only reason anybody would pick on this move is that it it looks like they cleared money to do this. Like these mm-hmm. two things were related. It it looks like they cleared. It, it appears. Uh, you know, to a very simple cause and effect way of looking at things that they cleared money to get Joe Nathan. And so then you look at him and go, oh, geez, I'd rather have Doug Fister um, than Joe Nathan. But of course, that, you know, there's no reason to think that there this one was dependent on the other. They might have planned it all along. And, um, you know, they this might still be about clearing money for, um, you know, for Max Scherzer or something like that. So mm-hmm. the it, it's probably not fair to, to lump those two together. That said... I would rather have Doug Fister than Joe Nathan. Uh, yeah, sure. If it's an either or, then then yes. Um, all right, we've we've actually touched on almost everything. Um, do we do we want to have a brief Ryan Hannigan love fest? Uh, no. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. I want to. Uh, I want to. No, I want to ask you something that's okay. different. Right. Um, uh, all of these moves snuck up on us. It seems to me. Um, I didn't... I mean, virtually... What? Joe Nathan to the Tigers seemed like something that that had been building for a while. It had been, although so did Brian Wilson to the Tigers, right? Am I Uh, mistaken? Yeah, sure. One of those guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, um, a lot of these moves, they they came out of nowhere. And and part of what made today so crazy was that every move, like, it, it arrived fully formed. It's like they took it out of the oven and gave it to us, and we didn't even smell it cooking. Mm -hmm. Um... That's a metaphor, yes. just so you know. Yes. Um, so uh, I was wondering, do you think that it's possible that um, teams have decided to quit sharing information with the public in this weird way that they do and that the new market inefficiency is keeping your mouth shut and mm. getting deals done without letting the public interfere with them? Uh, I hope so. That'd be great. I don't want to know about anything until it happens. I'm, Way more fun. It's totally, it's so yeah, much more fun. Than I'd be happy if uh, we found out about everything when teams put out a, a press release. I don't need to know anything before that happens. Um, uh, although our, our pal Chris Cotillo, uh, or Cotillo, right, uh, has has made an even bigger name for himself since we had him on the podcast. Yeah, no, uh, he's spe- he's spectacular and, and bless his heart. But, yes. it, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's that's the thing. That's actually kind of what got me thinking about it is that he's not, uh, it seems to me, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that what he, he has done is he has broken news as it is, as it is done Uh, and you think wait a minute why didn't John Heyman have this Doug Fister rumor four days ago or why didn't only have you know Ricky Nolasco five days ago like when when it was just in its infancy which is where we're used to getting our rumors we're we're used to having 50 rumors about a guy 
linking him to a team before he signs with the team. But here it's just like Chris goes, oh, it's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so yeah, yeah, I mean, that kind of that's sort of what got me thinking about it also. And and I think, and Chris hasn't told us this, but what I've sort of picked up is that a lot of where Chris's advantage seems to be is that he's um, he's in touch with a lot of like I might be wrong, so sorry, Chris, if I'm wrong about this. But <laughs> the 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 rumors that I hear is that he's really good with being in touch with like players and people, uh, you know, at the player level mm-hmm. uh, through social media. And so that would that would be maybe why he has the edge because maybe front offices are tight-lipped and aren't giving as much information to their sort of classic sort uh, their classic outlets mm-hmm. and uh, and Chris has the advantage. That could be what. Well, I don't know. What, I don't what have is any the I mean, right? Might be totally well, off. What is the what is the advantage to be gained by not letting anything slip before you sign someone? Um. Well, you, I don't know. I mean, teams are always complaining about it. If, if, uh, I mean, you know, there are you, times we've seen where, to... right, where, yeah, right. There have been times like if, if a guy is about to be traded and he has to waive his no trade clause and he finds out about it from, from reading a, a media report before he hears about it from the team and, and then he has everyone asking him questions while he's trying to make up his mind. In that case, I can see why it would be a disadvantage if it's just going after Ellsbury or, you know, some big name free agent is, are you losing anything if it comes out that you're interested in that player? I mean, maybe you lose leverage in negotiations with him. If he reads that you're interested, I I don't know. Is there, I, I don't know that we're qualified to answer that. Uh, I mean, I could see it just being, uh, looking tacky. If, if if you look like you're running out of the room and then calling CBS Sports and telling whatever happened in this closed off room, um, you know, it's maybe a bad position to be negotiating from. Um, or um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that that would be an interesting question to ask somebody. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, since we started with, with Ellsbury, I feel like Ellsbury is sort of... Uh, I know you're. I know you're done. Um, but like, I don't. I don't have much to say about the actual signing, both because I haven't written about it and because I feel like there's not that much to say. Like, it's just. Uh, can we close the book on Ellsbury? Because it's just. <laughs> it's just the the team with the most money or the second most money signing. Maybe you know the second most expensive player. And he's going to be good for a few years, and then he's going to be less good for a few years, and then he's probably not going to be good at all for a few years, and they'll just live with it and sign the next guy to to overlap with his decline phase, right? I mean, is there is there anything else to say about it, really? It's just uh, it's a typical Yankees big money signing where they'll put up with the back the back end of the deal for the front end of it. Remember how we got that email from somebody asking if we thought that it was possible that, um, uh, gosh, what was, how did the story go? Uh, that, jeez, uh, uh, Boris uh, had yes. <laughs> Alexander Guerrero sign with the Dodgers so yes. that Cano 
couldn't <laughs> sign with them and he would lose leverage and have to sign for less with the Yankees and then uh, and then Jay Z would would have gotten you know a taste of Boris's revenge. <laughs> yeah. And so now I like the idea that that this insane conspiracy idea is actually going forward even further and that uh, Boris orchestrated Ellsbury to New York just to just to keep the Yankees from having any money to sign Cano. Like I just love the idea that that the greatest agent of all time is just like going around totally screwing over his his clients because he doesn't like Hova. That's my favorite possibility of the offseason. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that narrative too. Uh-huh. Um, all right. We almost we almost made it through a show without me going. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I, I knew it would happen at some point today. Uh, people were tweeting at us asking if we were going to do a three-hour show, and every time we got one of those tweets, I was afraid that you just weren't going to show up just on the off chance that I would try to push it that long. Uh, so we we got to most things. We touched on most things. We'll probably circle back tomorrow on some of this stuff, maybe talk about Ryan Hannigan some more and, and talk about Craig Gentry some more because uh, two of my favorite players were traded today, and maybe one of yours. Um, so we'll talk about whatever we didn't talk about today, tomorrow, uh, and maybe we'll have more moves in store. So we will be back with more then.